guys we're having a dinner and my taste buds are already enjoying the food I'm salivating as we speak and I have an extra long sermon today we'll not go that route all right let's put it that way so about a week or so ago I did a sermon on repentance and I don't know how many of you all remember that as much but today, I want to go ahead and we're going to pull off this little tab now. We've pulled off quite a few of them, and we're going to be looking at the next part of what we call repentance and faith. And so today, I'd like for you to take your, your Bibles, and let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, We're going to be, or chapter 11, excuse me. We're going to look at a couple of passages regarding faith, and I want you to bear with me as we look at all these together. The actual title of this message is called The Requirement of Faith, but if we just title it as faith, I hope it gives us a good understanding of where we're at. Now, we do appreciate all the folks that are tuned in today, but I want you to know that one of the areas that I found the greatest struggle of all was understanding what faith is. We seem to make it such a hocus-pocus, and it seems like uh, especially in our circles, we have so many people that they say, well, you don't have enough faith, or where is faith, or this, that, and the other. But the word faith in itself is a very simple thing, and the act in itself is very simple as well. Look at verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. A very simple verse. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I made a challenge to someone one time, and I said, try to describe the word faith without using the biblical examples. And they went in all around. I said, it's a biblical example. They went another direction. I said, that's still a biblical definition. Do you realize that the word faith is not capable of anyone to be able to associate or learn or to grow from if we don't understand why we have faith. Let's also look at another one. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, holding your place here. And I want us to go to chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, and I want you to see the, the statement that Paul is about to make, or and he does make, by the way, to the Corinthian church. Now remember, Corinth is going to be a part of the Grecian lands. And so for this reason, look at verse 22, and we'll read three verses together. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto Jews a stumbling block, and unto Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Let us pray. Father, again, we want to thank you for your mercies and your truth, and help us, to Father, to know the things that you have given us in study, and help us to be quite prepared for the things that you give us. Again, Lord, I want to thank you for your mercies. I want to thank you for your truth. Help us, dear Father, to embrace it, to know it, to grow by the things that you have for us. And may we become a stronger people in you, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. The command of faith is one that I had to think about a little bit, especially as I was reading Daniel's prayer. I don't know how many of you have actually read that prayer that we read today in Daniel chapter 9, but Daniel was talking about the atrocities of the Jews. Now understand this, is that the writing that we see here in Hebrews chapter 11 is one to where we see the ultimate 
conversation and the ultimate explanation as though the Jewish people were right in front of the writer. And so every little aspect is like, don't you understand? You're looking for a sign, and yet God the people turn around and say, but I don't see the sign. Think about this for a moment. The first sign that we saw in the making of the congregation in Jerusalem was in Acts chapter 2. And we're not going to turn over there right now, but just bear with me as you will. For there the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles, and as the apostles began to speak, they began to speak in cloven tongues. Now they spoke, and I don't know if the miracle was that they were speaking in alternate tongues, or the people who were from other nations began to hear. Whatever it was, that in itself was a sign, and it was one that enabled the apostles to preach the gospel in such a way that everyone understood. Now the miracle that I find everywhere about us is that when we see the, the conversation or the preaching of the Word of God, many times we have to break it down so simply that everybody understands it. The second one that I looked at is in Acts chapter 3. Remember this is that in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking to the temple. There they're going to be teaching. And as they go to where the teaching is, they find a man who's lame at his feet. And what does Peter say to the man? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. That is power. That is faith. How many of us would have that kind of faith within ourselves to say, I want to give you something special? Now, reality is, if we are going to have that kind of faith, as we are going to see later on today, we have to have an adjoining attachment to Christ. And the thing is, we want to have, and we still we're going to find more and more the equivalency of faith, the, the joy of faith. I made mention of Daniel, and Daniel in chapter 9 is praying, God forgive us, God Testament chapter of the book of Nehemiah, and I want you to go, if you will, uh, to, let me get back over here, I want you to go to chapter 12 of the book of Nehemiah. Chapter 12 of the book of Nehemiah. And the fact is, is that you see all the people that are now associated and brought into the land. Now I want you to see this. Look at verse 44. And at the time there were some appointment over the chambers of the treasure, for the offerings of the firstfruits, and for the tithes to gather them out of the fields of the cities, the portions of the law for the priests and the Levites, for Judah rejoiced uh, for the priests and for the Levite that waited. Now let's go on down, if you will, to chapter 13. 
On that day that ran in the book of Moses, the audience of the people, and there was found written, and the Ammonite and the Moabite could not come into the congregation of God forever. Now, why couldn't the Amorite and the Moabites come into the congregation? Because they were enemies of the Jews. I want to point something out to you. This, this is the hardest part. When we open our doors in such a way that we're going to allow even the enemies of God to come in and attack us in our houses, in our churches, then we are at a loss. Do you realize COVID allowed people who have a hatred for God to shut down our churches, to shut down our society, to shut down everything, and now what are people crying out, we don't We better be on guard. Look what else it says. In verse 3, Now it came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. And before this, Eliashib, the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was alien unto Tobiah. That's what the Bible And I came to Jerusalem and understood the Jesus as he overturned the money chambers. It takes a real zeal of someone in the, in the house of God to say, I'm going to serve God and by faith you're going to see it. Then I commanded and they cleansed the chamber and there and thither brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. And I perceived, now watch this, and I perceived that the portion of the continued I with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? Man, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? You know who was also part of the house of God? A prophet, a priest, a scribe by the name of Ezra. And do you realize that what Ezra, he was in this congregation, he goes, why are you letting this happen? Why are you... And 
I gather them together and set them in their place. I bring this up to everyone that we are in the congregation with today because I want you to understand faith, if I have the strength of faith, then there's a boldness of faith that goes with me as well. I want you to look at this in verse 7 of chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 again. And notice one simple verse. And we all that goes throughout Huntington, throughout Canova. We have every... And yet Noah was building an ark with a roof, with one single window, and that was at the very top where even Noah could not look out of it. And yet the people had to mock him and laugh at him, but he was going to follow the dimensions. And not only that, what did Noah say? God is going to send rain. God. When the skies part and Jesus Christ ascends, and when he comes down, he will take the saints upon this earth. One of the things that really amazed me was that in one of the services, one of the ladies had sent me a, a video, and suddenly the congregation was down from the whole congregation to about three or four people. I wonder if the Lord would return right now, who would be left? And how many people would scoff? this earth. The sinners will be left behind and it scares me to death that sinners are going to be left behind. Look what else it says. By the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness which is by faith. The scary part is the whole time that Noah was building the ark he was going against the conventional wisdom of the earth 
and he was doing exactly what was not expected of people at that time. When I begin to look at this, I begin to think about my own condition and my own self. How much is my faith in practice? How much do I really know? If you will. And let's go back to the book of Luke. And I want you to notice that in Luke chapter 16, we find this wonderful verse. And Luke 16, remind you, this is the message of the rich man and Lazarus. And during this rich man and Lazarus confrontation, one of the first things that came about was, how do I know? And he said, What do we find in Luke chapter 16? The death of Lazarus. Jesus never said it was an example. He never said it was a parable. I remember things that are getting ready to happen. So much so, look at this. Go to John chapter 11. And there is this example. And the reason I bring it is because a lot of times people say, well, that somebody... Let me show you how I know that for certain. Let's go down to chapter 11, and let's go down to verse 46, and I want you to see what we have here. We'll go back to verse 45. And many Jews, and many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. They believed because they saw the resurrection of the dead. Not only was he had been dead four straight days, and after you begin to see that, then what happened? Look what it says this. Look at verse 46. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. They didn't believe. That makes me wonder, how many people really believe that are even in our churches today? Well, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doth many miracles. Jesus not only raised the dead to life, surely he would die as well and come to life. But let me tell you how wicked the world is. Do you realize that if one man had been raised to life, the wicked of this world would want to destroy him? Look at this. Go to chapter 12. And I want you to see this. Go down to verse 10. Well, look at verse 9. But much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but also they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. They wanted to see Lazarus. But look at the attitude of the chief priest. But the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Even if there was a great miracle in which we were now seeing the life restored to a dead man, or we see a great miracle in 
The fact is, is that we don't believe ourselves. Which brings me to this next point. Even the apostles, after Jesus arose from the grave, I want you to see this. This is such a, a heartbreaking story to me. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. These are the 11 that remain of the apostles. Judas has already killed himself. Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. Go down to verse 16. And I read this over and again, and and it doesn't make any sense. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I want you to underline, if it's not already underlined in your Bibles, some doubted. This was not people on the outside looking in. This was people that were on the inside. And even the apostles doubted until the Holy Spirit became very real to them. Once again, I want us to go back over to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And I want you to hear this great argument. It says, now faith, pista. So if you go back in, you look at, you know, the pistos is one of the words that we use a lot of times for faith. And it's the Greek, quite a Greek word meaning to have faith. And so if you look at this, now faith is the substance. The substance. And when I take a look at this, it, it's hypostasis, which means to have something that there is a confidence in. So faith is the confidence Faith is the confidence. When we understand that word confidence, that means that I know without any doubt that I am saved. How many of you have ever struggled with your salvation and you don't have to raise your hands? If you struggle... Sovereign grace believers have blamed God. We say, well, it's about the elect. The reality is, is that I am His and He is mine, therefore I am one of the elect. He is my Father. My own 
children have committed sins beyond reproach. But do you realize that if they are truly in Christ, their sins are already forgiven? If I am exactly what Christ would have for me to be, then I understand something more. And I want you to see this. Look at verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. I want you to get this for a moment. Abel had never seen Christ take the skins of animals and clothe his parents. Noah's sons had to believe what Noah had to say when he said, God has spoken to me and God has said he's going to destroy the world. Prepare an ark. The challenge of faith is when we begin to hear a message from somebody else who we have never known or we have known and we're going to have to believe them. When Jesus arrived on the scene, John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John had prepared a people, but no one had ever seen Jesus do anything. There were others that we begin to see, first of all, and the reason I bring up Abel is Abel had a choice to make. Do I follow the plan of God or do I do things my way? So here you have Abel and here you have Cain. And man, we'd love to jump all up and down on Cain. But do you realize Cain did what we normally do? Well, God will have to accept me as I am. God will But he willingly accepts it. Here's the thing that's beautiful. Abel said, Lord, I'm going to bring it to you what my dad said I should bring. The best lamb that I have, the lamb of the first year, the lamb without spot or blemish, I'm going to bring the best. And do you realize that when Abel slew that lamb, he was, slew, he was literally killing a lamb and catching its blood so that he could offer it before God. But look at Cain. Cain brought the very best that he had. He brought the best vegetables that he had grown by his own two hands. There's nothing wrong with that. I love fresh tomatoes. I man, I love fresh corn, beans. Greg told me all the things he's planted, and as he was naming them off, I'm going, "Boy, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that." But you realize that was for my body, but it wasn't for my soul. It wasn't for my sins. Abel offered the lamb because he said, I am a sinner and I know in the future one is going to have to come. The perfect lamb of God that shall die for me. By faith I offer this lamb now, but I look to the cross of Calvary. Cain on the other hand said, I can do it. And that my best because Christ is in me. I had a lady the other day, she said, you know, I'm really glad for all the work you did, but you know, it's, it's, it's not the best. And I laughed at her, I said, it's the best with what paint you gave me. The reality is, is that we are expecting the best with 
failed and flawed accomplishments. God doesn't give the best that way. Here's the thing that's really interesting. By faith, Abel offered that lamb. And Cain offered his vegetables and his fruits. But did you notice what happened? Cain had brought his best. God said, it's not good enough. And it made him angry. I really believe that if Abel had failed, he would have went to God and said, what do I need to do to make this better? To make this acceptable. I don't have any proof of that. But Cain began to be so enraged within himself that he said, that Abel, if Abel, blame God and so he looked for the moment where he could slew where he could kill the one man who offered his best for God by faith I should walk in Christ by faith faith is one of those things that it needs to ever be germinated. One of the things that amazed me, I want you to see this. Turn with me to the book, the book of Luke, chapter 17. Luke 17. And I want you to go down, if you will, to verse 5. And notice what the apostles say to the Lord. And it's a very simple statement. They said, then, and the apostle saith unto the Lord, verse 5 of chapter 17 of Luke, increase our faith. How many of you all want your faith increased? Right? Now watch what he says. The Lord said unto him, if you had the faith as a grain of a mustard seed. I have a sermon at home where it says that the old preacher had a, a kernel in his hand and he goes, it's hard and it's gnarled and it's dead. But when you plant it, it grows. Here's the thing about faith. Use what you've got and watch it grow. Did you hear me? Use the faith that you already have. There was a man by the name of George Mueller, and I, I have his book up in my library. He was, when you take a look at George Mueller, he was a tremendous man. There was a lot of men in the Bible that we know of as faith, but here was a man that stood alone. And as George Mueller was there, he had an orphanage of boys. And now, anyone who ever knows boys, they can eat out of a storm. They, they will eat you out of house and home, Okay. And literally, the headmaster came to George Mueller and he said, we have nothing for the children this morning. What are we going to do? And he said, invite them in. Tell them to sit out at the table. How many of you all know in with food? And yet they all took their places. And the headmaster said, but Mr. Mueller, we don't have anything. He said, quiet now. Let's give thanks to God for what he is about to do. And he took their hands and they began to pray, God, And 
And the headmaster goes over and says, Mr. Mueller, he said, just wait. About that time. Yes, can I help you? Pardon me, Governor. But my cart just broke the axle, and I have this whole thing of milk that needs to be distributed. Are you interested in the milk? Well, yes, we are. Then I will make sure that all of the milk that I have will be brought to this place today. Free donation. And now the boy... see the check, but you had all the confidence he was going to pay you. And the reality is that you walked in and you did your job, and at the end of the week you had your hand out and they put a check in it. That was the first time you saw the check. You know what the Lord said? I've already done everything. And if you have faith in me, then you know that I'm going to come and receive you unto myself, that we're see it in your life if you believe it. Repentance says, Lord, look again, if you will, at the definition. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You didn't see that paycheck, but you believed it. How many of us with these eyes have seen Christ crucified. And yet we believe. How many of you all saw Jesus buried? But we believe. How many of us have ever seen him raised from that grave? And yet we believe. It says in Romans chapter 10, For with the mouth is confession. With the heart we believe. We believe unto righteousness. We have faith unto righteousness that Christ is raised from the dead. That's what I hold to. But I want you to see something even more powerful. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 8. This will be our concluding verse. I know, I've run you all over creation today, haven't I? And in Romans chapter 8, go down to verse 14 and notice what it says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, Christ brings us in, right? But look at the power of it. 
For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Every time, now listen to me, please, if you don't get anything else out of this sermon, get this part. The next time you have doubt over your salvation, that is not of Christ. That's fear. And the closer I walk with Christ, I would love, wouldn't you just love it if you could be like the apostles of old, like the prophets of old, like the saints of old, and yet we have the power of Christ in us, but we don't believe it. Look what else it says. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Now fear, I'm adopted into the heavenly kingdom of Christ, whereby I cry, Abba, Father. You know what's so beautiful about the word Abba? It's the same word as Daddy. My Daddy. I miss my earthly father. But I should be in a place in my life where I miss my heavenly father more. Look what else it says. The Spirit beareth witness with our spirit. How many of you have ever experienced that? Where the Spirit of God has bore witness with your spirit that you are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Do you realize that I can go up and I can, and, and I can enter into the throne of grace and I don't have to be worried if he's going to kill me or not? I don't have to worry if the, if the heavenly scepter is going to be extended towards me. I'm already welcomed into his chamber. Do you realize, and think about this, can you imagine God upon his throne? And here's my... Light. To think that, yes, he is the creator of the universe. And yet he died for me. He sent his son. Come in, son, come in. And the great love that he has for me is beyond compare. It's true love. And he embraces me. And he said, come here, come on. And, and there's always such a vast family. Look what else it says. And join heirs with Christ, even so we suffer with him, then we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. When I go out into the world, I should have confidence that when I pass on the word of God, somebody's going to read it. When I have go out into the world, I should have confidence that my statement of repentance and faith has already begun in me and I can tell others what Christ has done. And if an accuser is there, and you know that's what we're... we're but guess what? I am redeemed. I am saved. I'm just a human being. I understand that but I serve a risen Savior that is greater than all. So much so that he's given me the faith to believe him and his resurrection and his coming again 
and you think I'm going This carnal body shall be put off, and the glorious body of Christ shall be revealed in me, and you shall see it. Do you believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? How is your faith? What is the barometer of your faith? What is the temperature of your faith? Right now, I'd like to take a switch and go attack hell. I can't stand it. But you know what? I have other people to tell of Christ. And maybe today you don't know Jesus, but I would love to tell you about him. Father, again, thank you for your mercies. I pray now that you will guide us and lead us. Help us, dear Father, to understand the things that are written in your word and lead and bless now. In Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Greg, if you will, please come forward.